And what's happening? It's the Armchair Sports Guys back again for another Saturday shenanigans show. Joining me is Sean Farhadi and I am G.J. Mitchell. Uh, Mike Lachance, Rich Mays, and Matt O'Brien are unable to make it this week, but that's okay. we got a big action-packed week uh, weekend show for you. We're going to talk about the NF, uh, NFL Championship round uh, coming up on tomorrow. We're also going to have the Bruins. Finally, they score five-on-five five goal, and when they do, it, they score all of them. Uh, the Celtics dropped two to Philly. Very, very, I don't want to say sneaky bad, really bad uh, for the Celtics there. Uh, we got a Lions coach. The new Lions coach is kind of a total hardo and definitely a total dick. Uh, and uh, RIP, rest in peace, rest in power to what I'm going to say is the greatest baseball player we've ever had in Hank Aaron. Um, and then, of course, we're going to end our show as the Jackass of the Week. But, Sean, how you doing? I know you weren't here with us on uh, Wednesday. How's the, how's things going, my friend? Good, man. Good. I'm trying to get this link posted in here, but my computer's being real slow. But, yeah, I'll All have right. that up shortly if anybody wants to join us. Um, I'm good, man. Ready to ready to get, get into the full show. I mean, it's not often we only have two of us, so it's nice. Yeah, it is a nice. little more little more intimate inside the minds of Sean and GJ today. I love it. I that's a great way of putting it. Very very intimate in the in the, in our minds, which I don't know if anybody really wants to be in either of our minds, but <laughs> Too, too, Probably not. too bad. Too bad, people. You're gonna get it. Uh, but again, like Sean said, he's putting the link in our Facebook live show. So if you want to get in touch with us, you can. And that is on at the fa- uh, at the Facebook, right? On Facebook. At the Facebook. At the, huh? Arm, at the Facebook. Yeah, on Facebook. At, uh, at uh, I got, the I got the link. Uh, the link's in the video. So if anybody awesome. wants to jump on with us, we're good now. Took so, me a minute, but we're well, there. It's, ta- it's taken me a minute to actually figure out how and what I'm reading. So it's at the Armchair Sports Guys on Facebook. <laughs> At the Armchair Sports Guys on Instagram and Armchair underscore Guys on Twitter. Also, we are on TikTok at the Armchair Sports Guys. But let's get right into it. Um, again, like I said, we got a, a pretty good list of topics we're going to go through. Uh, first one, let's start out with the NFL Championship Games. So that's coming up uh, tomorrow. You've got the fifth seed Tampa Bay going to Green Bay, the number one seed. At 3.05 tomorrow. In, again, it's in Green Bay. Uh, as of right now, I just checked about five minutes ago. Tampa's getting three and a half points. The over-under is 51 and a half. And then after that, you've got the number two seed, Buffalo, going to the number one seed, Kansas City. And that's going to be at 6.40. With Buffalo is also getting three and a half in the over-under. And that one is 54 and a half. Uh, some quick storylines, and we're going to get into this, and I'm going to just kind of shoot these storylines out, and then Sean and I will just touch on these topics. you got Brady versus Aaron Rodgers. Um, I mean, you had a Brady versus, um, um, I was going to say Sean Payton, but it's not. Uh, Drew Brees. Well, I mean, it was Sean Payton, but Drew Brees, um, which was a, a good storyline. I think this is an even better storyline uh, as far as football goes, you know, Ken Tepp has de-stopped the explosive Packers offense. And then can Tamper as a team survive the cold? Then I got a stat for you uh, later on when we go over that. And then obviously on the Buffalo-Kansas City side, can Buffalo's defense stop that high-flying, you know, Kansas City offense who is more explosive than the Packers offense? And then Mahomes, you know, is in concussion protocol, you know, is his foot, you know, will either of these be a problem for him? Uh, as far as the game goes. But let's start with the Tampa Bay Green Bay. And as you can see, I'm wearing the retro uh, Doug Williams jersey in honor of my team, Tampa Bay, who, in my opinion, is going to beat Green Bay flat out. Never mind just uh, covering the spread. I think they're going to win flat out. But, Sean, I want your initial thoughts on the game itself, and then we'll get into some of those storylines. 
Um, I think to look at this game the way that I the way that I view it is look at look at the two quarterbacks. I mean, obviously, two of the greatest to ever do it, Brady and Rodgers. But what I really have noticed kind of about this season is is the way Brady has rallied that team. I mean, they they were seven and five at one point. The Bucks were, and um, to see the defense really step up. And you heard what Devin White said after the game last week. Tom Brady makes me be a, makes me a better defensive player with the way that he tells me how to do things. The way that that he should approach certain situations. Tom Brady's coaching this defense now too, uh, not let alone the offense. He's do he's helping guys on defense, and you could tell last week they were a motivated group. Three uh, three takeaways on the interceptions from Breeze, um, the fumble recovery as well from Jared Cook fumble. Uh, I mean, but that's Brady. Brady wants to win. Brady is all about winning. And the difference I see between Brady and Rodgers is Rodgers is is going to be himself no matter what. But at the end of the day losing doesn't really piss him off and you can tell that he he's okay with whatever happens whatever happens happens like he he's a great player great quarterback has an unlimited skill set and and can make any throw I mean he's obviously playing at a high level but it just there's that little intangible I think that makes the difference between Brady and Rodgers that Brady's going to bring to the table on Sunday and Rodgers if he gets down I mean I could see him getting taken out of the game his head's just it's hard to gauge where he's at mentally a lot of times. So I think that's going to be the biggest difference between the two teams going into this game is Brady just has that extra edge in the way that he, he rallies the team around him, I think is going to be the difference maker. I agree with you. I think Tampa Bay wins this game um, outright. So we can just go ahead and scrap that three and a half. Um, I think they, they win the game by at least seven, probably 10, I think um, probably about a 10 point game. Um, other than that, I mean, I'll go back to you. I think that's what I, th- I just think Brady just has that, that one extra intangible that's going to put them a little bit above what the Packers bring. I mean, I know, like you said, it's going to be a cold weather game. So Brady's no, no, uh, no stranger to cold weather games, but I mean, I, some of the guys in Tampa that, that he's playing with might not have a lot of experience playing at Lambeau in January, which I don't think any of them probably do, but. Um, it's going to take Tom Brady's going to have to be Brady and then rally his team around him and, and just make the, the smart throws like he did against Breeze last week. He, he wasn't spectacular in that game, but he did enough and the defense stepped up and they came away with a big win. I think you're going to see a similar game Sunday as you did last week. Yeah, Sean, I, I agree with you 100% on, on everything you just said. I, I I also agree with, I think, the the, the, the Buccaneers. I almost said the Patriots, right? <laughs> the, know, Buc- right? the Buccaneers. I was so used to it here for 20 years. Uh, the Buccaneers are going uh, to beat uh, Green Bay flat out. Um, but more importantly, I... I, I I'm with you also on the fact that I think they're going to win by, you know, seven or 10. I, I think straight up the Buccaneers win just, uh, just in just a gut feeling I have. And, and, and I, I I'm uh, uh, even, even more with you on the fact that Brady has that intangible, that one little extra piece of motivation of, Losing pisses him off more than winning makes him happy. And right. I think that's the difference of being a champion and being someone like Aaron Rodgers, who's, yeah, he's won, but he should, I mean, with his talent, he should have won more Super Bowls. You know, he, he, he easily should have. I saw uh, so a stat I, today on, uh, well, I forget what I was watching this morning. Aaron Rodgers is the only, only quarterback to win two MVP awards to only play in one Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and I heard earlier that, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers earlier this year on um, on a show, I think he does like a weekly yeah. you know, phone call that he was yeah. talking about. all You know, he's like, oh, well, I should have won in this year. But, you know, um, um, 
who was it? A- AP went off, you know, at the end of the you know, end of the year. And he took, you know, the MVP home, you know, and he should have been in the conversation on this one, but wasn't. It's like, dude, you're counting MVPs. Like if, if, if you're counting MVPs and you really think, you know, MVPs are the pinnacle for your career, then you're really missing what the game is about. Like Brady, Brady has more championships than he has regular season MVPs. Would you rather, I mean, I I think he has, I think he has the same amount of MVPs in the Super Bowl as Peyton Manning has in, you know, the regular season. You know what I mean? And it's like, which would you rather have a Super Bowl MVP, which usually means you won the game. You know what I mean? Or would you rather have, regular season MVPs and get knocked out in the division round or the wild card round, like Peyton Manning and Aaron Rodgers and, you know, you know, Drew Brees and, 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 you know, the ilk of that, that are in that, you know, real, really good echelon top tier guys. But Brady's just in that he's in, he's in a tier alone by himself, no doubt. Um, So I'll give you the stat real quick and we'll, we'll go into this a little bit as well. So obviously it's going to be in green Bay. Uh, Let me pull up my handy dandy uh, weather app here. And I'm going to go to green Bay because I did save it because I'm smart like that. (laughs) Uh, Let's go here. Green Bay. Where are you, buddy? Here we go. So tomorrow it is going to be 55% of precipitation. I think it's going to be a combination snow and rain. It's going to be about on 29 degrees on Sunday. So it's going to be a miserable, miserable game. Yeah. So I'm looking here. Um, where, where, where is it? Uh, go back to green Bay. Come on now. App. Um, so yeah, it's going to be raining uh, and precipitation from like 2 AM on to like 8 AM and it's still going to stay cold. So it's going to be a pretty good, uh, fun game. But both Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady are, are obviously, you know, snow strangers, like you said, to playing in cold weather. So this is games below freezing and uh, average stats since 2009. Uh, Rodgers has 265 passing yards. Brady has 270. Rodgers has 64% completion percentage. Brady, 62 Aaron Rodgers has 87% games won. Brady's 86. They both have one turnover. So obviously, you know, both of those guys. It's not like they play too many games like that, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I, and and that's the thing is, I I uh, I look at it is is you know, Rodgers has a few more games, you know, under his belt, you know, uh, you know, playing in the, in the cold frigid, weather than cold, Brady, yeah. right? But um, but yeah, that their stats are. I'll say it's pretty identical. Yeah. Identical. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Identical. So, um, you know, I look at it and say that that's, you know, that's a, you know, that that's no advantage for either team. Um, the question I have is, and one of the reasons why I think, um, that Tampa is going to win this game is because of the defense defense travels, right? The two things, you know, in football, the defense travels and a running game travels. Because if you can run in any sort of weather, you know, inclement weather, rain, sun, you know, indoors, out, you know, whatever, you're going to have an effective game on offense. But defense also travels. So, Sean, I'm going to ask you, do you think this Tampa's defense, as well as they played last week, and, and again, I love Drew Brees. Uh, he's had a hell of a career. If it's, if he really does hang it up, I know he said he did, uh, but I don't. They haven't heard anything official yet. Do you think after they made him look – mortal for lack of a better way of putting it do you think that tampa's defense can rise again and play against aaron Rodgers and uh 
you know, in Tampa and, and beat them. And the last time that they faced each other this year, they held Aaron Rodgers to zero touchdowns. Yeah, so, I mean, um, it's going to be tough. I think more so than than the Buccaneers defense making Drew Brees look mortal. I think it was more Drew Brees just actually kind of being what he is now. I mean, he can't throw the ball like he used to. So, but I mean, and you you, you don't discredit the uh, the Buccaneers defense for taking advantage of opportunities that were presented to them when they had a chance to take the ball away, they took it away. Uh, they're going to see a lot, a lot more uh, finesse on the throws this week, I think. And Rogers, he's got a hell of an arm. So, I mean, they're going to have to respect the pass a little more, I think, this week, just because Breeze didn't really have that downfield threat, um, just because he, he doesn't have the shoulder for it anymore. But I think, uh, and, and Rogers has a little bit more ability to extend plays with his feet. He can roll out. He dances around the pocket a lot better than I think Breeze does these days. So it's going to be a, pretty good test for them to try to contain Rodgers. And I know, like you said, uh, they had um, held him to zero, zero touchdowns last time uh, they played in the regular season. I think, what was that week? I don't remember anymore. Week uh, seven or seven or eight, maybe something like that, but yeah, the total, I, I have it here. Um, and I don't, I didn't have the week itself, yeah, but the okay. game was 38 to 10. Right. Tampa won. Uh, Green Bay went up 10, nothing in the first, then Tampa scored 28 points in the second. Yeah. I remember they 10 came in the third. Yeah. Green Bay came out firing and then all of a sudden they just hit, hit a wall and Tampa Bay pretty much rolled them right after that. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I mean, I think obviously I think the Packers offense is playing at a lot higher level than they were back when they played in that game. Um, and Rodgers is probably, I mean, obviously the stakes are raised playing in a, a championship game on uh, the NFC. So I think they're going to get their best, the Packers best punch. So they're going to have to play at least the same, if not better than they did last week to beat a higher potent offense. I mean, look at what they did last week. They had, they held Michael Thomas to zero catches, but yeah. I don't see that happening to Devontae Adams on Sunday. So they're going to have to play pretty much the same style of game obviously account for Rogers uh, ability to move around a little more. Um, but I mean, you're going to have, they're going to be a good test for this, this Buccaneers defense against Rogers because he, he can make a lot happen and it's going to be tough to hold them, hold them to zero touchdowns. Again, I don't see that happening obviously, but it's going to be, I think it's going to be more of a game where the Buccaneers need to control, control the ball, obviously control time of possession, run the ball well and have the defense make the stops they need to. I think that's pretty, you're right. The defense is going to be a big part of this game. Yeah, I, I, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm really looking for the, the, uh, the, the Bucks defense to, to do what they did. I mean, they really contained Rogers last game, and uh, and that was Week Six. So you were very close, Sean. Week Six, All not right, Seven, yeah. but um, but I also look them to do the same sort of thing. Like you said, you have to respect Rogers' arm, be you know, more than you did Breeze. But I also think that just the way that this team is playing, I think this Bucks team is phenomenal. I mean, if you're looking at the Bucks, you know, defense, I mean, you know, you got Nadamikin Sue, Golston's there, JPP's there. But the two guys, Levante David and yeah, Devin they got White, a, the are linebackers phenomenal. in the middle are very, yeah. very good. And, and and they not only can they cover, but they can but they're fast. But they they're can... fa- exactly. Yep. Yeah, exactly. you're not gonna see a lot of a lot of running backs beating them out of the backfield. Those guys can close very quickly. So, I mean, yep. that's a, that's definitely a plus for the Buccaneers defense. I think they're, if they play as well as they did last week, I think that the Bucks defense will be just fine. Yeah. And I agree on that. Um, on the, the, the flip side, uh, the Packers, how are they going to, how are they going to stop 
the Buccaneers offense. And I say high-flying offense because they have the weapons. I mean, they have got Mike Evans, although he may be a little injured or whatnot. I, you know, everybody is right now. Godwin itself, um, right. no Antonio Brown, but I think that opens stuff for Johnson and Scotty yeah. Miller. And you still have Gronk uh, and Cameron Braid. So it's not like, you know, you have, and these are just uh, the offensive weapons from the passing perspective. I have even touched on Fournette and, and Jones, and they still have LaShawn McCoy, which I didn't even see featured last game. So that could have been a sneaky way to keep him, you know, fresh and ready to go. You may see some LaShawn McCoy, but the reason I ask this is Mike Pettin. Mike Pettin's the defensive coordinator for the Packers, and he runs a um, pretty much like a zone. He's a zone defensive coordinator. And rarely, I mean, we again, you and I, we both know uh, you beat Tampa, you beat Tom Brady. It's rushing up the middle, right? right. Get him off his spot because that yeah. he can he can step up if the pressure's coming from the outside. He is the best quarterback. He's not running, not 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 scrambling, but the best to be able to slide Sliding around up and, up and down. It's a, you know almost like you know you uh, uh, you know playing contra up up down down left right left right. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, yep. ba select ba start. But he's the best ability at sliding up in the pocket and moving in a direction, you know, to to give himself that space to to make a throw and step into a throw. He's the best at it. So do you think because Mike Pettin is a is a zone guy and tends to blitz around the outside, which is what I think the Saints were have were doing, uh, which gave Brady all the time in the world, so to speak. Do you think that Mike Pettin's going to change that up and is going to blitz inside and be able to play more man coverage? And then the question on the man coverage that I have, sort of the secondary part of that, is would you go more man against Tom Brady and these receivers as opposed to zone? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, I mean, I saw a stat the other day. Obviously, Mike Pettin has been around. Uh, he's played against Tom Brady. Well, he's schemed against Tom Brady quite a bit with uh, being in the AFC East so long. But uh, I saw a stat. I think Brady has beaten Mike Pettin-led defenses the last seven out of the last eight games or something. And it's exactly what you said, that, that soft zone that he plays. He uh, likes to rush the outside, the outside guys and play a soft zone. Brady's going to pick that apart all day. So I think if they have it, if they want to have any shot at stopping Brady in this game, they're going to have to switch it up and play man. Um, it's going to be tough. I mean, playing Mike Evans and Chris Godwin in a man type situation, it's not going to be easy, especially uh, I forget um, guy's name for the Packers. He's their number one cornerback, but he's, he's iffy right now. I think with uh with a hamstring or a quad or something, um, I think so... he said he should be good to go, but. Uh, Kevin King, or... Kevin King. Yes. Yep. Kevin King. Yeah. yeah. So he, um, he's iffy. I mean, I think they said he's probably going to play, but try to, it's going to fall a lot on the cornerbacks to, to really hold their, hold their own on this defense. Cause they're going to have to play some, at least some man, you can't play zone the whole game against Tom Brady and expect to be successful. He'll pick you apart all day long. Yeah. So they're going to have to really step the the Packers cornerbacks and, and even the safeties are going to have to step up and really, I mean, it's no joke, this passing attack the Buccaneers have when they're rolling, even without Antonio Brown. I mean, he was kind of an add-in later in the year anyway, so he's basically just an embarrassment of riches at this point. But, yeah, Scotty Miller in the slot, he'll be – I mean, he played the majority of the season in that position before Brown came in anyway, so it's not like you're losing, really losing anything there anyway. So, yeah, the Packers defense has a big test in front of him. Mike Pettins has a big test in front of him. You're right. Um, But, yeah, in terms of they're going to have to mix it up and play some man – if not the majority of the game, I'm going to have to play man. Cause if you give Brady that zone, he's going to, 
take advantage of it, pick you apart, and just move his way down the field five yards at a time, seven yeah, yards I, at a time. I was going to say death by a million that's, paper cuts. That's his yeah. go-to. I mean, that's yeah. what he's been doing for 21 years. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Mike Pettin doesn't switch it out and comes up in his normal defense that he's been throwing out there against Tom Brady for the last nine years. But if they want to be successful, yeah, they're going to have to rush Brady up the middle, knock him out of the pocket, get him off his spot. Because that if you let him have that – that pocket around him and the time to step up and slide up into his throws. You're right. He's going to, he's going to destroy him. So I think, yeah, Mike Pettin's got his hands full this week. Hopefully he can come out and maybe scheme a scheme, a better plan than he has the last eight or so times they've played against Tom Brady. Yeah. I, I, I'll see the thing is, I, and this is why I think Tampa is going to win again, not just that I'm a fan, but just as a realist and as somebody who's breaking this, uh, this game down, I just think, yeah, there's too much leading their way right it, now it, in, it, in the matchup. It, it, and exactly cold weather is not going to bother. The only thing I'm worried about is the cold weather. Is that going to bother the Tampa team collectively all like 53? Slow, get off right. to a slow start or something maybe. But, right. And that's yeah. what, that's what basically the Packers are going to need is, a start like they had in week six when they got up 10, nothing, but they got to can't take their foot off the gas at that point. That's right. the only way I see the Packers winning is getting out in front and playing from in front because I don't see them uh, playing from behind against Brady. That's not where you want to be and playing from behind against this, the way the Buccaneers defense is playing, that's going to be a tall ass. So I don't think the only way I think, yeah, the only way the Packers have any shot is to get out early and, and keep scoring as much as they can try to play with the lead. Well, like you were saying, the um, the you know with Crosby getting a field goal and then Jones gets the one yard run in the in the first uh, quarter, second quarter scoring was Dean uh, a thirty two yard interception run. So that got the defense got the you know tamper on the board, right. and then Jones had a run uh, shortly after that. Um, and then Johnson, a pass from Brady, and then Gronk from a pass from Brady. You know, both of those late in the the second to go up 28 10 and then it was you know pretty much i don't say a laugher from there but your final score 38 to 10 again brady and the buck scored you know in the third suck up on a field goal and jones you know on uh um you know a touchdown late in the i think in they the took third. brady out in the fourth quarter I think, yeah at the end yeah. of that game yeah yep um so i look for more of that i i just i don't know if mike Petton is so here's a dilemma for mike Petton: is he smart enough to go to mix it up and go some man and is he smart enough to strategically do that? And I don't think he is. I think, you know, there are some guys that just their tendencies are their tendencies, right? That yeah, this is what stubborn, they do. Stubborn guys that we yep. do what we do and we make it work. Exactly. And I, I and I, I think that's why Brady and the Bucks come out ahead on this. And again, like I said, Tampa's getting three and a half. The overrun is 51 and a half. Um, I mean, looking at the final, that was, you know, 48 uh, was the final in week six, you know, total points. So, you know, if I'm a betting man, I'm taking I'm taking the points with the Bucks, and I'm taking the under. Um, and honestly, if you want to even go further than that, maybe take the under in the first half. Again, with the with the weather coming in, um, you may have a slow field and, you know, both teams are going to be sort of a chess match, you know, trying to feel each other out and kind of see where things are going. So I take the I would take even the under in the first half. Um, you know, if, if that's what you are, if, if you're a gambling man, if that's what you want. Um, but let's go to the Buffalo KC game. Cause that's just as intriguing as this one, um, where we've got the Buffalo bills, you know, I don't care. You, you know, you, you're, you're a Patriots fan. You gotta be rooting for the bills in this one. Cause for two reasons, 
FKC. I'm so sick. I, I, I saw somebody on Twitter and I didn't. I, I don't even know who it was. I, and I know he he's in Kansas City. I think maybe he's a, you know, does sports reporting or something or whatever. But I don't think he was a name that I he wasn't a name that I knew or followed. But this dumbass said that Patrick Mahomes wins one more. He will go down as the greatest quarterback in NFL history. And I it took all of my energy not to literally go and put a gif up there from Forrest Gump. Are, are you stupid or something? Because I'm sorry. I'm so – and again, I respect Patrick Mahomes. I respect his game. I respect Andrew Reid for all the time he's he's put in, especially when he got his ass kicked by us, you know, way back in the day, uh, you know, with the uh, when the Eagles – when they first played the Eagles, you know. Um, I, and, and he's – yeah, everybody laughs and he's got that he's got that, you know, menu, you know, the 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 you know, the the the, the chicken and waffles menu, Roscoe's oh, chicken yeah. and waffles menu that he walks around in and he's, you know, this big old burly, you know, walrus looking dude and but man, Andy Reid's a hell of a coach. Hell of an offensive coach. And 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 and, and I'm not going to say he's not a great head coach, but he's won a title. So, he's still a hell of a coach, a Hall of Famer at least in my book. But I'm so sick of the Mahomes love because and I say it's more of a millennial thing. It's these youngins that like, oh, my God, it's video game guy. I'm going to go and play Madden. I'm going to pick Kansas City. I'm going to take my homes or I'm going to, you know, take my favorite team and make a trade to get my homes on my team so that I can play. Stop. Stop. Mahomes won one. You know how many quarterbacks have won? Trent Dilfer won one. <laughs> Brad Johnson won one. Aaron Rodgers has won one. You know what I mean? Like, what are we doing? You know what I mean? Peyton Manning's won two. So you're gonna tell me that uh, uh, that uh, that Mahomes is better than Peyton Manning? He's only won one. So it's too early to have that time. That, it's not even. I don't even want to go down that road because right. But but that's too why too early I, for that conversation. I agree, anyway. but that's why I'm rooting for Buffalo in oh, this yeah. because I want to shut up these Kansas City fans that say Patrick Mahomes is the greatest of all time. And to be honest with you. I kind of want a Tampa Bay Buffalo uh, uh, Super Bowl because I want Brady to bitch slap the Bills one more time because I just think that'd be fun as hell. And on top of that, uh, because of the way things work out in the NFL and the schedule, the NFC South, which is the division Brady's in, is playing the AFC East, which is where we in Buffalo in. So Brady could come back to Foxborough as the NFL champ, Super Bowl champion with the Bucks. And could play Buffalo after he bitch slapped them in the Super Bowl. So there's plenty of storylines for next year. But let's at least get to this one. Buffalo, Kansas City. Again, 640. It's in Kansas City. Um, let me get the weather app going again. But as I do that, uh, Buffalo's getting three and a half. The over-under in this one is 54 and a half. Uh, so, Sean, I want just, again, a little bit of uh, some of the storylines. Buffalo's D versus Kansas City's offense. Can the defense stop Kansas City? But more importantly, and sort of the, the next point down is Mahomes. Again, in the concussion protocol this week, he played or did all, you know, all the practicing on you know Thursday and Friday. So he's going to play. Not officially, he hasn't been ruled as he's playing, but wink, wink, you know, he's going to be playing. But his foot, that's the question I really have, is do you think that's going to be a problem and hamper him going forward? But, Sean, I want your thoughts on you know the Buffalo-Kansas City matchup real quick. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, oh, Mahomes is 100% going to play in this game. There's no no doubt about it. Um, he wouldn't miss this game. I mean, obviously, if the protocol kept him out, but since he's cleared the protocol, there's no reason why he's not going to play. And he'd play through a broken toe, a broken foot probably if he had to because that's just how – he's a competitor and he's a good player. But 
I think I think the thing to watch is that toe injury he has. I mean, that might hinder him from a lot of these. He's he's the most likely in the league to run on third down um, as a quarterback, yeah. and and he picks up a lot of first downs with his feet. He's a shifty guy. He can maneuver out of the pocket. He makes. I mean, nobody throws the ball on the run except maybe for as good as him, except for maybe Josh Allen. I mean, they're right. both very kind of similar guys. It's almost like uh, looking at a mirror image of the way that they both kind of play the game the same way. But I think, I mean, that toe could be a, a really, a really lingering injury. If that thing, if he get bangs that thing early in the game, I mean, I, and, and only from a play call standpoint too. I mean, I don't think you're going to see as many design runs with Mahomes as he usually has. And that might, you know, deter him from trying to run to pick up a third down here and there. If the toe is really bothering him, um, I think you yeah, probably, probably get a nice big shot right in the top of that thing before the game. And depends how long that pain, that pain relief lasts, but he's going to have to be careful because if he, if he takes a shot to that foot or gets injures that toe any more than he already has, it could be, could be something that really puts him down in this game. But so I think you're going to see him stay in the pocket a lot more than he typically would. Um, I mean, that doesn't make him any less dangerous. So right. he, uh, He's going to be, and he's a competitor, man. Like the guy came back from a dislocated knee, I think after two, after missing only one game. So he's, he's going to be out there playing his best. I'm not too, too worried about it. That's just something, if you're going to have to nitpick like a storyline, that's something I would watch as the toe. Um, but this is, I think this is going to be a, a better game than, uh, than the Packers and the, the Tampa Bay game. I think this is going to be a real uh, kind of, a bond burner. <laughs> I would say like you're looking at, if you're looking at the Packers Tampa Bay game, more of like a, that's more like a prize fight, like a chess match. See who gets that one finishing punch. But this is guy, I think just going to be a slugfest back and forth Two two really good quarterbacks. I mean, I think the bills have the advantage on defense, but it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how, how Kansas city plays um, defense against Josh Allen. I think he's the type of guy that can get rattled if you if you get to him early, but he's shown a lot this year that he he can play from behind and come back and win. So I think, I mean, it's almost like identical guys playing quarterback this week. They both have cannons for arms. They both can extend plays with their feet. Um, the accuracy I would probably give to uh, Mahomes a little more than Allen, but he has improved that this year. I think really this one's going to come down to if the Buffalo defense can stop Kansas City. I think Buffalo could run away with this game because I don't think Kansas City's defense is really that great. So you know, if Buffalo can get up a score or two and their defense can hold Mahomes at least, I don't know, three or four times throughout this game at key spots, I think Buffalo has a chance. So I mean, yeah, I, I, I like the that. under in this game, but I think Buffalo plus, would you say, three and a half? Three and a half, correct. That'd be, yep. that'd be my take. I, I think Buffalo wins it outright. Just like I said with Tampa Bay, I'm taking both underdogs, I guess, this week, but I don't think it's going to be as much as like a shootout as you would expect, just because I think there's supposed to be some weather there too. A little bit of snow down there. Yeah. I was going uh, to say it's, uh, it's about going to be about uh 40 degrees, uh, the high for, um, uh, for Sunday in Kansas city. Uh, there's going to be a little bit of weather, but, um, it's going to be mostly cloudy. So, um, you know, it, I, I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if it, it you know, where it's, you know, coming around six o'clock, you're going to be right around probably the 32 to 35 degree. So you're going to be right around the freezing temperature. So even if there's no precipitation there, you're still going to have 
um, you know, the cold weather like you're going to have in Green Bay that could could be a factor for both teams. And where both teams play in the cold weather, I mean, Buffalo, you know, relatively cold, you know, and Kansas City, the same thing around this time. I don't think it's going to affect them the way it could affect the Tampa team, you know, going up to Green Bay. Um, right. And I'm with you and that, that, I mean, and, and it's a turf toe injury. So it's not like it's a dislocated toe or a broken toe where you can tape it up. I mean, you they'll tape it up. I mean, you can have it. So it's taped up. Turf toe is one of those things. That's a, I mean, you see running backs, you see wide receivers, tight ends. They're Miss out a lot for, of time with, that, weeks right. with the turf toe. Right. So this could be a sneaky, tough injury for Mahomes to, to work through. And hopefully again, with that cold weather, you know, and that the like that Tordal shot or whatnot that they put on the foot that hopefully between the shot and the cold weather, it stays sort of numb. You know what I mean? And I think that would be a huge thing for, um, you know, for for Buffalo. But I'm with you, Sean, on on um, on the uh, on the. Um, on Buffalo's defense, they need to stop Mahomes, and if they can stop Mahomes a couple of times, then, yeah, you are looking at um you know, you're looking at a uh, uh, a big, big opportunity for Buffalo uh, for this week. Um, and again, like I said, if I if you're a betting man, like you know, I know you and I have talked about these things before. I, I take Buffalo at plus three and a half because I think they're going to win outright. And I take the under at 54 and a half. Um, I mean, that's a big number. Like I said, the Bucks uh, uh, Packers game was at you know 48. It was 38 to 10. So it didn't even hit their under. Oh, their number at 51 and a half, right? So, you know, if you think it's going to be a slugfest and not a, and not a track meet, then, and again, especially with the turf toe with Mahomes, where he's not going to be able to get out and scramble and get those 15, 20 yards at a clip and those design runs, he's going to have to rely on his wide receivers. Now, granted, he's got, you know, Josh Brown, he's got Cole Beasley. He's got Stefan Diggs, who I'll be honest with you, could have been the MVP uh, and my opinion was the most valuable P the MVP, the most valuable pickup for um, uh, for the Browns. But I mean, Kansas City, Tyree Kill, you know, that bitch, Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, you know, you still get Clyde Edwards Hilaire, um, you know, Le'Veon Bell is on the team, too. So it's not like you got, you know, slouches on either yeah, side. Yeah, a lot of we- a lot of weapons on both sides. A lot sides. of weapons. Yeah. So um, so it should make for a good matchup. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to. Uh, to to both of these games uh, tomorrow, uh, but let's uh, let's let's jump off the NFL here for well let's let's keep on the NFL here for a minute, and we'll go to the just uh, just to stay on the NFL topic before we we wrap up and get to uh, to our Bruins and Celtics here. Um, so the <laughs> I can't even say this so straight. So <laughs> the Lions got a new coach. Uh, his name is Dan Campbell. All right. So if you don't know anything about him, uh, and I, I mean, I, <laughs> I just remember him from coach when he coached the Dolphins a few years back. Yeah, he's he. I don't remember him being this crazy back then, though. He gave a 19-minute opening statement, right? And and I'm gonna, and he swore in this too, and I think it's hilarious, right? Um. So here's here's what he said. I'm just gonna read this. This is verbatim. This is quoting Dan. Um. Uh. uh Dan Campbell. So this is what he said in his in his 19 minute diatribe. He goes, quote, here's what I do know. This team's going to take on an identity of this city and the city has been down and found its way to get up, It's found its way to overcome adversity. Right. So this team is going to be built on. We're going to make we're going to kick you in the teeth. Right. When you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. When you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, 
We're going to bite a kneecap off, all right? And we're going to stand up, and it's going to take two more shots to knock us down. And on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap, and we're going to get up, and we're going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. Before long, we're going to be the last one standing. That's how it's going to be the mentality, unquote. <laughs> all, my, all, my question <laughs> is, after you take the guys both his kneecaps, how's he still knocking you down the third time? I, well, so the, as soon as I read all that, right, and I heard him say that, all I could think of is, come back here, I'll bite your ankles off. You know what I mean? From from Monty Python and the Holy Grail? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's merely a flesh wound. You know, I'll <laughs> just picture this little knight just, just sitting there with no arms. Come back here. <laughs> You Boston's, you know, like, what the hell is this? First of all, he also said that he's here to rebuild the city. No, dude, you're here to win football games. Okay. You're a football coach. You're not a congressman. You're not a mayor. You're nothing. You're a freaking football coach. <laughs> I, I can't, this guy is, I, don't get me wrong. Matt Patricia, and I know Matt Patricia's just, he's coming back to the Patriots um, in some sort of uh, role, undef undefined role as of yet. Uh, but Matt Patricia is coming back, which I think is a good thing. I think it's a good thing to help Belichick, you know, revamp the staff. I mean, I think the I think the, the Patriots staff has been decimated the most across the, you know, the last, oh, you know, decade for, for, sure. for coaches, you know, across the board. Nobody, there's really left. nobody left besides McDaniels. Right. Yeah. And McDaniels, uh, Patricia, I mean, Billy O'Brien. McDaniels has already, McDaniels yeah. already left and come back. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean Billy O'Brien's now with, uh, with, um, um, Alabama, you know, um, uh, uh, the, who's the head coach in Miami? I'm blanking on his name. Brian uh, Flores. Flores, thank you. Yep, Flores is there. You know, you had Chad O'Shea who was at Miami for a while. So you've got the Bill Bellick coaching tree from a um, a standpoint of assistance and whatnot that have gone. You know, so mm -hmm. it's nice to get Patricia back. But Patricia was kind of a hardo and was kind of a dink when he was in, you know, the Lions trying to do things the Patriot way or the Belichick way and being a dick without having the reputation and the swagger to be able to do it. This guy is falling in the same line of hardo a-holes that, you know, he's just like, he's just, he, he's the dumb meathead jock who just got a coaching job. And, you know, it's like the, it's like the, I think you go back to your high school reunion, whether it's 10, 20, whatever, and you can still walk into the room and see the same, you know, football jock, you know, captain of the football team or the wrestling team or Hardo that's giving everybody shit because he never grew up. He never got out of high school mentality wise. And he always wants to go the Bruce Springsteen route, live in the glory days. You know what I mean? And that's what this guy is like. What the hell? And, and I say that in there are some great coaches that I think should be there, like Eric Bieniemy. Why he doesn't have a head coaching job is beyond me. Uh, Josh McDaniels, whether you like him or not, great offensive mind. And I'll give him this week, uh, I mean, this year a pass because he had a guy who couldn't really throw a football, but still a great offensive mind. This guy, fucking hardo. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I get So I get what he was trying to do when he first said the thing about, like, oh, the city's been so down. But, and, and that's true, man. If they, like, in terms of places like that, like, a sports team can really like be the one thing they have to hold on to. Like look at new Orleans when they had Katrina, the saints basically held that city together. So I understand like where he was coming from saying stuff like that, but to go through the whole, like when you knock us down, we'll get up and bite your kneecap off. Then you'll knock us down again. And then we'll bite your other kneecap. Like I just, man, I don't know. You took it a little, a little far with what, where you're trying to, the, 
I don't know what kind of description you're trying to give and what kind of team you want to be. But, man, after listening to that, I got to figure the players are like, oh, here we go. We went from Matt Patricia to this guy talking about biting kneecaps off and taking hunks out of people. It's like, man, I <laughs> when I saw that press conference, I was like, oh, the Lions are going 0-16 again. Like, there's no shot that they win a game. And, and and even further to that point, he has his his nameplate on his oh, office. Yeah. The, it has his dude. name and has the dude, the Big Lebowski reference. Like, bro, like he if, just, if yeah, it's it's. I, are you a head coach or are you a fucking clown? I yeah, he's got a lot of a lot of clown tendencies already. You, I mean, just he basically tipped his hand right off the bat with that press conference. I mean, it's gonna take. If I I understand what he was he was trying to get his guys to. Like, you know, when a coach gives you a, a pregame speech and you want to run through a brick wall after he's, he's done talking, he was kind of like trying to do that, I think. But it just the weird way that he described it kind of missed the mark. And now he's got a team full of play, a play, team full of players going, uh, what the hell is this guy talking about? And th- is he going to give us speeches like this before every game? I just feel like he's going to lose that locker room real quick if he keeps trying to. Yeah, I don't I don't even know what like go into these theoretical situations about biting people's extremities. I don't know. It's just, I could, I could see the lions being a winless team again this year. And if I'm Matthew Stafford, man, watching that guy talk at the podium, I'm like, I want out, get me out of here. Yeah. Yep. Somebody come get me. Cause I don't want to be another, another guy that thinks he's going to whip us into shape and make us the toughest team in the league. Just like Matt Patricia said, Oh, we're going to have the toughest defense in the league. No one's going to be out tough us. Well, you know what, man? It didn't really work out that well. So, <laughs> yeah, how's that if working I'm out Matthew for you Stafford, today? I'm very skeptical after seeing that guy talk yesterday. I'm borderline worried. Yeah, no, I, I I'm the same way. I like I said, I wanted to just touch base on that real quick because I thought this guy was just this guy made me laugh. Listen to his press conference. Oh, he's yeah, that was hilarious. I, and and that's the if thing you really like, think about it, like this guy's <laughs> gonna lead an NFL team. Yeah, he is the head coach. Yeah. of an NFL team. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, I wanted to touch on that real quick because I thought oh, that, no, that was yeah, hilarious. <laughs> that was just dumb. Uh, but let's get to, back to some local stuff here. Uh, let's touch base on the, uh, the Bruins again. They finally freaking score. Holy shnikes. Um, and they, uh, they played against the Flyers on the 21st. They get the Flyers again tonight. Uh, be a good in, one tonight. Philly, yeah. And and hopefully they hopefully the Boston sports can go two and two against Philly because we're going to get to the Celtics later. But they are uh, no bueno on that team uh, against Philly. Um, but great game. Um, down to nothing. Yeah, it started off really concerning. Very, yeah, it, very concerning. Yeah, you know, hitting post, not doing well. I, and I know, I know Mike's not here. I, and I, I know Mike's not here and I, so I'm going to, I'm going to take my, I'm going to, I'm going to channel my inner Mike ish. And I'm going to say on behalf of me and Mike took a nicely done elite, elite goaltending in that game earned his for one game, one game he earned his six and a half, seven million. We'll see what happens today. But for one game, he, the stop that he had where he raised his pad uh, to save that and where, and where again, it could have got, I mean, if he didn't put the pad, the pad up, that was in just over his pad. That was unbelievable. And the saves he made in overtime were phenomenal. Again, elite. And the shootout. Yeah. And, and I was getting, yeah, I was getting to that too. Yeah. And the shootout. Um, but yeah, so, you know, the game ended up, um, 
you know, ended up going to, you know, uh, Flyer 0 0 at the one. Flyers go down uh, and score two in the second period. Um, off Pretty goal. soft goals, too. Yeah. And, and, the, and, and that it, third one was real bad off the guy's skate right through two of his legs. So, I mean, he definitely redeemed himself, but he did. I'll give you guys, I'll give you, I'll lean that way with you a little bit. He did have some softies in there early in that game. So, I, I mean, I was, I myself was getting frustrated after the first two. I said, Jesus, really? We're not, and, and, and maybe it was just combined with the fact that they couldn't put the puck in the net, but it was getting to the point like, really? We're, this is what, this is what it's going to look like this whole season. So it was, yeah, it was definitely frustrating early on. And, and, and that's, and that's my thing. That's, and I know I, again, I, I don't go full mic on this one and say that I just hate Tuka Rask just cause I hate Tuka Rask. I hate Tuka Rask because he lets in those soft goals, you know, a death taxes and Tuka Rask letting in a soft goal, the three guarantees in life. Typically and that's under what, two minutes. In the yeah. And yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I even, I even said, I uh, said- I said, you know, oh, I'm sorry. I was off by the two minutes. He let one in with four and a half minutes to go. Um, but, you know, and that was, I think it was that the, the Van Riemsdyk goal to, to tie it at 4-4 four, four, uh, in the third. But, again, whatever whatever Cassidy said in the in the in between the second and third period, you got Studnika, bang, right off the jump. 57 seconds into the, uh, into the third period, gets his first goal ever in the NHL, makes it uh, 2-1, and then Charlie Coyle, at 206 ties it up. Um, and then, you know, you, you get, um, you know, Sanheim scored, then Richie scored shortly after Carlo scored right after Richie to make it four, three. And then again, like I mentioned that soft goal by Van Riemsdyk to make it four, four. And then in the shootout, Jake DeBrusque, unbelievable. Like that goal that he had, that little sort of change up that he threw, you know, the little toe drag, but he fluttered it in. It wasn't like it was a blazing shot. And I think if you watch the goalie kind of, you know, like I think he was expecting like uh, uh, Roger Clemens fastball on the back of the net, and and he just sort of flipped it in there. And I thought that was a brilliant move by, um, you know, by Jake DeBrusque, similar to what you know uh, Brad Marchand did in the uh, shootout, uh, you know, a couple games prior, where he tucked it under, you know, and, and kind of dragged himself this way and tucked it under uh, in the five hole for a goal in the shootout. So. I liked what this team did scoring those goals five on five. Um, again, if I, if I'm looking here real quick, I believe all the goals were, uh, were five on five. Stadnika, Coyle, uh, no, sorry. Nick Richards on the power play. Yep. Yeah. So Sadika Coyles and Carlos. So with them literally going over the season until last week's game, I mean, until, uh, uh, Thursday's game, it was nice to see them get three, five on five goals. And again, especially Right off the jump in the third period, but you know, about a minute in, you know, studs gets uh, gets one. So, Sean, I I know you said you were getting frustrated with Tuca, but your overall assessment on on Thursday's game and what you're looking forward to uh, in tonight's game, uh, where again they're still they're playing Philly again in Philly. Yeah, I mean, I, I should think say in in the Garden. I in the, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I no, it was nice to see. I mean, obviously, them scoring some goals. I mean, it's been it's been three games since they've got they hadn't had a five on five goal, but I think it's not, not only the goals, it's the people that are scoring the goals. I mean, like you said, Stadika got his first NHL goal. Good. Great to see that. Um, DeBrusque in the, in the shootout, stepping up really big with that beautiful, that beautiful little, just little floater right over the shoulder of heart. Yeah. But uh, yeah, R- Richie stepping up. I mean, I think it's, it says more uh, about the team that, that you're getting secondary scoring at least in that. And, and especially in a game like that, where you're down two nothing, you battle back, you tie it up and then you face adversity twice again. Gave up the lead 
three uh, three to two. Then you take the lead at four to three, and you give up the lead. Let them allow them back in the game to tie it four to four. The resiliency they had to to stay in that game, I mean, I think is is going to be one of the uh, building blocks to build a, a good foundation for this. Is core young guys they have coming up now um, to kind of always keep their head in the game. You know, don't don't give up. And especially that I'm sure that a lot of that comes from uh, Bergeron and Marshan and a lot of the veterans. But it's nice to see that they can score without having to have to be Bergeron or Krejci or Marshan every single game. And and they're doing all this without um, without Pasternak. So I mean, obviously it'll take a little bit of pressure off some of these guys when Pasternak comes back from his injury. Um, obviously bringing the bringing the uh, leading goal scorer from last year back in the lineups so is not going to hurt them. So. It's nice to see guys like Richie stepping up, um, especially Richie, because, you know, we're the first guys to, to bash on him for looking like he was eating hamburgers in the locker room before the game. So, um, yeah, it was, I mean, overall, great win. Tuca was nails in overtime. I mean, he had three really, really big saves. And then in the shootout, some nice saves. But the, the storyline I see going in tonight, I, I think you might see uh, – there was some chippiness in that last game. It yeah. started to get a little bit, a little bit rowdy. Um, towards the end and especially the way that it ended uh the Bruins winning in a shootout I think you're going to see the Flyers come out looking for blood tonight um a little bit of redemption after dropping especially losing a two two nothing lead in the third period I think they're going to look look to come out headhunting a little bit I think I think you're going to see some fights tonight um I think it's going to be a very very physical game tonight and hopefully the Bruins can end up on the right side of it I think at, they they should be riding high after that win, and I think they should carry the momentum into this game. So if they can come out and avoid kind of mixing it up too much with Philly right off the right off the bat, I think they'll be all right. And yeah, hopefully we can see these young guys continue to step up. Maybe I mean I've really liked what I've seen from Stadnika, so I think he watch him again tonight. I think he's gonna gonna be around the net a lot and taking a lot of shots. So hopefully he can put one in the net again tonight. Yeah, no, and I, I'm a thousand percent with you. I mean, you know, they always say you in, in this in, in this NHL, you got to score goals, uh, you know, uh, inside the dot, you know, inside, you know, in up close. You're not scoring goals from the point. Rarely. I mean, because it's not as much traffic. anymore. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, too much traffic. Guys are blocking shots a lot more. The goalies are just um, better. And the goalies, yeah, the goal. Well, not only the goalies better, but they're they're, they're oh, looking the pads like, are huge too. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, the pads are huge, which makes the 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 posted literally the posted size sample that you have to shoot on a corner because you're not picking the you're not really picking the the five hole you know uh, at all you're picking top corners if you're blasting it from the point so um, or you're hoping for a redirection that bounces and maybe goes but. Uh, but generally speaking, yeah, I think this is going to be a good game, and I'm I'm a thousand percent with you and behind you um, on the uh, on the um, the the rowdiness and the feistiness of of Philly, and it's always I mean it's always a great yeah, game. It's always going to be like that no matter yeah. what. But. I mean the Broad Street Bullies versus the the Big Bad Bruins. I mean that's always going to be that sort of rivalry. The two cities very passionate about their teams and whatnot. So I would not be surprised to see Kevin Miller drop the gloves, uh, or even a guy as crazy as he is, a guy like Nick Ritchie, who I think he's guy. I mean he's got some beef. Literally, you're talking about hamburgers earlier. He's got some beef on him, so he, he'd be one to drop the gloves. So it would be good. But the flip side of that is the ugliness that happened with the Celtics losing to uh, the 76ers. Uh, again, on Wednesday, they ended up losing 117 to 109. And then last night, it was 122 to 110. Um, you know, I know that they that the Celtics don't have Jason Tatum. 
So I know that that's a that's a worry for me, right? That and but I'm not too too concerned. What bothered me more was the four the third quarter. 76 has scored 42 points in the third quarter while you only scored 28. Uh, Jalen Brown ended up tying his career high with 42 um, and uh, points. And um, I, I mean, Marcus Smart at 20, Kemba Walker at 19, and that was pretty much it. Everybody else was in single digits. Um, Tristan Thompson, the guy you you got specifically to take and go up against and bead and the big guys like that in the East got abused. Um, I will say one of the funnier moments and slash cool moments um, with Marcus Smart chirping after the game on uh, Wednesday. Um, he and 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 B coming back saying, you know, well, you know, he, you know, every time I come down the thing, I get fouled too, and I don't bench and complain. And they had a little a little back and forth through the media. Um, but there was a play that B came down, had the ball, and kind of came up. You know, like guys come down with their elbows and the ball, and they're they're moving their elbows. Well, Smart. As soon as the elbow came through, Smart fell back. Embiid missed him by maybe two inches, right? Three inches. He definitely missed him. They showed the replay. They slowed it down. He Marcus flops, comes down, and I think they called the foul on Embiid. And then after, you saw the two of them kind of with their arms around each other, kind of talking at half court and, and having a conversation, which was good uh, because I like both competitors, and I love Smart's tenacity on defense. I love that the guy can guard all five positions, even as a – uh, even as like a guard, you know what I mean? He's he's able to, to to D up or at least harass a center, you know, and get under the skin of a guy like Embiid. So I thought that was good. But I'm still really frustrated with this team top to bottom that, again, the third quarter, 42 points they scored in 12 minutes. What What is going on at halftime that, that Brad Stevens, because it always seems to be the third quarter scoring for the Celtics, not only their scoring and their ability to score, but their defense is lacking. So, Sean, I got to ask you, what the hell is going on? And what can Brad Stevens do to fix this? Yeah, I mean, I think there's no doubt they're definitely missing Tatum right now. And, I, and Pritchard leaving the game last night definitely didn't help. He's been a pretty solid player for them so far. I mean, yeah. as, in terms of running the point and a kid, he's a hustle player, man. He plays defense. He he puts everything he has into the game, kind of like Marcus Smart does. He's a I mini think he's, smart. Yeah. He's a yeah. I mean, he's mini a mini Marcus. smart. I don't think he really has as not as much of a, like a pit bull mentality, but he does everything right, and he's he, he's pretty pretty bulletproof in terms of the way he plays the game. So losing him didn't help, but I I think yeah. I mean, Tristan Thompson is not what we expected him to be. He doesn't look like he can can keep up with anybody out there. Really, I mean, he's he was supposed to be like you said, the guy that they brought in to to kind of protect the rim, play, play defense, get the rebounds. And he's getting thrown around like a rag doll out there. And I mean, and, and beads a, is an all-star. He's an all, like all, all team type guy, but you, you got to give him a little more effort than that. And if you don't have it, they got to find someone that does because he's getting beat everywhere out there. And it just seems like, I don't know. They, they, they give up the lead so much. Like they'll get out, they'll get off to a hot start and it's like then they sit back and they just play lazy defense. They don't make the switches that they need to. They don't pass the – they get into that hero ball mentality again. And then, you know what, that 17-point, that 12-point, 15-point lead, whatever you have, turns into four. And then all of a sudden you're down 11. And you're like, what the hell just happened? We were up by 17 points. It's 
I don't know if it's a coaching thing or if it's just the mentality of the players, but they don't play a complete uh, 60-minute game. It's like yeah, we are, they'll show you – they'll come out of the gate in the first quarter with their hair on fire, hitting shots, playing defense, stealing the ball, you know, passing, playing team basketball. And then they'll have that like they did um, last night in the third quarter where they don't do anything well. And they get outscored basically by double. And that's pretty much the story of the game right there is one bad quarter or a couple bad minutes. They just, for some reason, can't put together a complete game. And it shows it, it's even more, it's easier to see now without Tatum being there because it's just more, more bad basketball without Tatum. So they need to clean it up. And I think it starts with Stevens, man. He's just not, I don't think he's the motivator they need. It's it's tough. It's been like what you said. What what happened at halftime where they came out and laid it laid that big of an egg in the third quarter? Like what did what did he tell them? What did he say to them? I think it all starts with him. And I mean, obviously, he's in a tough spot trying to deal with these COVID these COVID problems they've had. I mean, they they didn't have Brown. They haven't had Tatum for a while. Um, and then kind of like balancing minutes with with Kemba and guys that are coming back off the COVID list. I mean, I'm sure it's not easy to do that. But at the same time, man, you get every team's dealing with the same thing. So Brad Stevens, I think is the one that needs to really get them motivated. And I don't know if he can do it. Yeah. I, I, I'm as frustrated as you are. Um, I, 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 I don't know if it is, maybe it, maybe it is Brad Stevens. And I, and I said that I think, I think depending upon how this season ends up, Brad Stevens should be on the hot seat right now. He's been the coach for a long enough time and he should be, he should a hundred percent be on the hot seat. And honestly, I think Danny Ainge should too. Um, And I know, Hey, he got a, you know, championship in 2008 should have won. That was a long time ago, man. That that, was a long time ago. That's that's, that's exactly where I was going with him. Like that was a long time ago. That was 12, 12, 13 years ago. And they keep saying that they're, they're building something. They're building something. They're building something, man. It's been four years now yeah, since we yeah. heard started hearing that. Yeah. So it's it's time it's, to shit yes. it off the pot. Yeah, I agree, yeah. man. And I I would say it more so for for Brad than I would for Danny, but I think they do go hand in hand a little bit. So I think if yeah, if Brad's on the hot seat, Danny should be too, and or at least a lukewarm seat. Uh, yeah, Dan, I would say Brad more so than Danny, but Danny should start to feel it because I mean he's he's given them good players but he still is yet to make that one bang move that really put them like he did with when he got Garnett and Allen back in 08 yep. you know what I mean he, he's he has a nice team he has a good little core he's got some good good role players it's just not quite there yet and and now with look at Philadelphia just beat them twice in a row I mean that's a team you have to contend with the Nets have uh, Harden, Kyrie, and Durant, even though that doesn't look like it's going too well right now, but that's another <laughs> well, story. But still, that's a team with three superstars that can come into your house and fleece you by 30 points if they want to. Yeah. So yeah. I just, it's going to be a tough season if they don't figure this out. I mean, they have, last year they were great defensively. This year it looks like they're lacking the effort or just not motivated enough to do it because they, they are, we know where they're capable of it, but what we've seen just isn't, isn't their best. I think they're yet to play their best basketball. For sure. Yeah, and and they have also, at least in their defense, as minimal as a defense as it's going to be for me, they have yet to play with all of their team together. Yeah, like, right, that's true. Guy, you know, uh, um, uh, Tatum's now out with Kemba back. So right. 
you know, we'll see how the whole dynamic comes together with, again, not, you know, not having um, uh, Gordon Hayward there and, and, you know, that addition by subtraction and, and getting the core together to play all, all, all five at the same time with Smart and Tatum and Brown and Kemba and Thompson. I think that'll, that'll change a little bit, but uh, we'll see. Hopefully Tatum is back. He's out of the, the, the COVID protocol. Yeah, I guess um, he practiced a little bit yesterday. Yep, so. he did. So he should be good to go. Hopefully, knock on wood, right? Um, <laughs> by, uh, for the game against Cleveland on Sunday at 7 p.m. So, um, yeah, we shall see on that. Uh, but let's get to, uh, and I, I as much as I hate doing this because it's, it's awful, let's get to some somber news um, with the passing of Hank Aaron. Um and I, I mean, I, I, I want to say I struggle for words because there's not really anything that that um, that I could say that hasn't already been said about him. I mean, in my opinion, I know that he's not officially, but he's the home run king as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, 755. I mean, he did it in an era where it was just man on man, like. You know, I, I'm going to throw you my best pitch, and I want you to hit it. You know, uh, he still has the RBI king, 2,297 RBIs in his career. But if I'm if I'm checking here, I got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 All-Star games in a row. So this is that. So he wins rookie. He came in fourth and rookie of the year in 1954. And then from 55 to 75, he was an all-star. I, I again, I, I, to me, forget modern baseball, forget, you know, baseball after like the eighties or even the nineties the and putting like a guy like a Mike Trout, um, who's done it, or even Albert Pujols, who you know has done it and 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 can be considered one of the greats in the game. Nobody, nobody will ever, 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 ever compare to one of the greatest players of all time in their sport as Hank Aaron. The only one who will come close, in my opinion, is Willie Mays. So I, I, I don't, I mean, again, I, I, we could, you and I could go on and, you know, uh, you know, go over this, you know, his stats and all that, but just Sean, I want your reaction is, you know, as, um, you know, when you heard of his passing, uh, yesterday at, at age 86. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's sad. The guy was a legend, um, hall of fame player, even more of a hall of fame person from everything that everybody always says about him. I mean, the guy was, did everything, did everything the right way, you know, and he played at a time where probably wasn't easy to be him in that locker room and on that field, because, you know, things weren't so hot for, for people, uh, African-Americans back then. And he, he played in a time where I'm sure a lot of his teammates probably didn't, didn't enjoy him being on the team, which to do that, I mean, it's just admirable in itself to, to have to fight those stereotypes and break down that, that barrier. Every time you want, just want to go to work. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's unbelievable. just to think like what he could have done, you know, if, if he had played in an era where there wasn't that, that, uh, that block or that, whatever you call it, the the stigma he had to break down every time he took the field, you know? So for him to be able to accomplish as much as he did in that, in that era, I mean, it was just, it's just unbelievable. And I agree with you. I mean, I'm not so much uh, a hater on like the, the, 
the steroid guys as, as most people are like, I obviously bonds hit 755, but you know what? I think they should break it up because obviously it's clear that guys back in that, that day were doing it with let with shittier bats with didn't have steroids with, you know, they're, they're hitting Louisville sluggers that were handmade by some guy that's sitting in a warehouse somewhere, you know, they're not all artificially made machine made bats and stuff like that, that you can alter to your fit and your length and the handle you want and all that. I mean, just yeah. little things like that, the way that he was able to do, do what he did with minimal technology, minimal, they didn't have, they didn't have cameras um, and you didn't have videos to go watch the guy, the pitches, the guy threw to you. They didn't have any of that. It was here. I'm going to throw you a pitch and you're going to try to hit it. And if you can, great. It was so, baseball I mean, at its at its purest. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. mean, it's it's almost it's almost like the the purest form of the game is when he played and he did it at the highest level. So, I mean, it's definitely a big loss to the baseball world. But he will ever. I I think by a lot most people he'll be forever remembered as the home run king for sure. Absolutely, and and to and you know, like you said, they were, they had no analytics, nobody to yeah, you know, nothing. no no nerds in the in the front office that were breaking down everything and and launch angle and all that stuff. It was like you said, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you a pitch and I'm gonna give you my best pitch and you're gonna see if you can hit it. I just want to run down to something real quick and then um I, I want to just touch on one of my favorite things uh, about Hank Aaron. So this is after his rookie year. These are his home run totals per year. Uh, 27, 26, 44 led the league. 30, 39, 40, 34, 45, 44 again led the league. 24, 32, 44 led the league. 39 led the league. 29, 44, 38, 47, 34, 40, and then 20, uh, you know, 12 and 10. But 20, 12 and 10 was when he was like 40, 41, and 42 playing right. this game. So the dude just hit bombs. Yeah, I mean, he consistently, just hit, consistently yeah. hit home runs every and, single season. Yeah, and 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 the one thing I liked about him, and 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 one thing I thought, as scary as I'm sure as it was for him at the time in the moment, but I thought that really helped with baseball breaking that barrier. Is when he broke that record for, uh, you know, of Babe Ruth. You know, you see the, you know, he's rounding second. You see guys coming up, and he thought he was going to get killed. He thought the yeah, guys. They had that, Extra like, security. He had his own bodyguard with a sniper rifle somewhere in that stadium. Yeah, and he thought he was going to get killed. And these guys came up in white guys, and I and I yeah, say yeah. because you know this this was, proves a point. They came up and they shook his hand as he's rounding the base. They were shaking his hand and patting him on the back, and and yeah, he was trying to plow through. But it was it, again, it was when you could run on the field and not get too much trouble for it. They just yeah, kind of hunched you back. Said, hey, get, yeah, out get, here, get, yeah. get back into the get back into the, the, the stands, but. Um, Again, a different time, different era for everything. But right. it was it was nice. And, and it, again, for him, I'm sure it was as scary as hell because you didn't know what was going on. Right. Um, but what a nice sentiment and a nice moment that white fans embraced him like that and just wanted to shake his hand and just wanted to pat him on the back and say, great job um, to an African-American player. And I think that moment of him circling the bases when that happened is – is an, uh, an iconic moment that should go down, not just in, in baseball history, but history as well. And especially okay. in the time we're in now that, you know, there's no reason to hate somebody because of the way they look and the color of their skin. You should just embrace them for the achievements that they have, whether on and off the field, you know, <clears throat> in a sporting, uh, you know, setting, in an office setting, you know, in a in a. Uh, congressional setting or, you know, for, you know, and I say congressional is political setting. It doesn't matter. Like it, it, you should embrace the person that their feats and their accomplishments are what they've achieved, not 
downgrade them because of the color of their skin or their views on life or, or, you know, sexual orientation or whatnot. So I think that moment in itself should really, in my opinion, should speak to everybody, not just baseball fans, but I thought that moment itself was a really cool, really cool moment. Um, but yeah, so rest in, rest in peace and rest in power. Uh, Hank Aaron, who, you know, it died, uh, for sure, an inspiration. Yeah. And, and, and like you said, he's, in my opinion, the greatest, the greatest of all time. And, you know, again, I know guys like, you know, Willie Mays, you could put up there, like I mentioned, Paul Holson and Mike Trout, but these guys, I mean, all those all-star games in a row, the, the numbers I just rattled off for hitting home runs still leads the league in RBIs at 2297, you know, co- you know, career wise. Those are just statistics that just uh, should astound you. And, and more importantly, should, you know, put you in awe of, you know, like you mentioned even perfectly who he was as a player and as a man to do what he did in the era that he did it in. Right. Um, but Let's get to our let's get to our favorite segment here on our Saturdays, our Jackass of the Week segment. And Sean, I'm gonna let you take this one. Um, this MF right here. <laughs> so uh, his name is Jared Porter, the former for a month Mets general manager who just got a Red Sox for a Red Sox guy also worked with the Cubs. And, uh, in this picture, you see the sweatshirt he's wearing with Arizona. Um, Sean, I'm going to let you go into this because this guy, (laughs) this guy deserves jackets of like the decade. Um, but for right now he gets our, uh, our infamous, uh, armchair sports guys, jackets of the week. So Sean, have at it. All right, man. I mean, it's just, it's 2021. This guy gets caught sending 60. Let me let me say that again. 60 consecutive text messages to a, a reporter, um, including multiple uh, images of his genitalia, I, I suppose. Um, and what who knows whatever else were in those text messages. But 60, I think it ended up being 62 consecutive text messages he sent to this reporter before she had to say, hey, buddy, stop. Like, I'm not, I don't want you to text me these pictures. I don't want this. How have we not learned by this point in, in, in 2021 that how many times has this happened? Brett Favre had this happen to him about 10 years ago with that reporter. Uh, I forget her name now. She used to work. She was a cheerleader, and then she worked for uh, – Jen Sturger. Jen, yeah. Jen's, multiple, multiple athletes. Guy, like, take, take a temperature of, of the room guy. Like – this has happened to him. You're not the first guy to do this. You're not the first guy in a prominent role in the sports world that has done this. Take lessons from what you've learned. 62 consecutive text messages in a row to this girl. What do you think you're trying to accomplish here, Bob? I don't understand the mindset. I don't understand. I mean, I don't understand it at all, but the fact that you went, and picked your phone up 62 individual times without response and continued to harass and send pictures and whatever else to this poor, poor girl. It's just, that earns you jackass of the week a hundred times out of a hundred. And I mean, I know there's more to the story. I don't really feel like going down that whole rabbit hole, but it's just the fact that this guy picks up his phone and just continues to blast this girl with text messages, unsolicited and pictures is, and he had just gotten hired. 
to be the general manager of a failing franchise. This guy could have been the reincarnation of like Jesus in, in New York, if he got the Mets back to, to, to glory. And instead he's wasting his time texting some reporter pictures of his junk. And she's not even into it. She's not even into it. That's the problem. So you know what, Jared Porter, you're the jackass of the week. I, I don't really have much more to say other than that, buddy. No means no. And learn how to read, read the room because you are not doing it right. Yeah, uh, Sean, I, 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 I couldn't have said it better myself. That I was mean, me trying to contain, like, trying to be PG or PC about the way that I just talked about this guy. But you know what? There's a special place in hell for people that do stuff like that. So I'm the, I, I'm glad he got fired. I think he deserved everything he got. Well, I, I mean, here's you know the, what would be the better thing is they should put on blast all the stuff he was sending to the girl. Well, and and I'm with you on that. I, I so the thing that frustrates me, right, is this story actually was done, and I think it was 2017 or 2018. Right. I mean, he was in the Cubs front office, but he wasn't a general manager, right? They knew about this, uh, and it was to a, a, fe- a foreign female reporter. So somebody covering the. Uh, and not that it makes a difference whether it's an American female reporter or a foreign, it's still wrong nonetheless. But it was to a, a, a foreign female reporter that he put these, and it was in 20. 20- <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. And uh, he was he was in, uh, you know, in, in Chicago when this happened. So my issue is more so to add on to this is why didn't the story come out then? Why? Yeah, not only that, finally- or how many more? How many more are there? Well, and that's another part, too. That that's a good point. But why didn't this story come out then? And why didn't this guy get fired from his job with the Cubs? Why did the and I believe it was ESPN that had the story. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was yeah, ESPN yeah. that had yep. story. Why didn't ESPN? Why did they bury this story to protect him? And I'll use that protect him loosely. I'm not saying that they did or they didn't, but to protect him when he was just as lowly scout or or in the front office as just a kind of a stats nerd. But all of a sudden he gets to be. A GM of one of the more prominent teams uh, and, and franchises in Major League Baseball, you know, with a new ownership. You know, what I mean, they they just the uh, the Wilpons just got rid of this. They got a new ownership. The Mets have been flying off the 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 rails, signing people, trying to get everything going. You know, trying to get things done and and get their team back to being as relevant as the Yankees are in New York. Build, you know, win the back page, as they say, you know, in New York. They hire this guy, and then all of a sudden, a month after, they fire him because this story just comes out. So, I'll, I, I again, full 1,000% blame on this guy for doing and sending 62, un, like, just text messages. Like, I, you want to send one or two text messages, don't get a response back? Fine. Put your phone down, right? And I would say this from a male to female, a female to male, a male to male, female to female. The part of the person's not interested, depending upon the – the, the type of text message you're having. They want nothing to do with getting into a relationship or whatever was said on those text messages. But you sent 62, including a bunch of dick pics. Why is this just coming out now? So I blame ESPN. Shame on ESPN. Another thing ESPN just sucks at. Why is ESPN just coming up with the story now and not then when this guy should have been fired from the Cubs? Now, should the guy get another job back? 
maybe, maybe not. Who knows? I mean, that's that's for other people to decide. You know, the severity of how bad you know this is. I guess and, it all depends on what, what's in the messages. I mean, obviously, uh, the the dick pics aren't are not a not a good starting point. But right, but I mean, even then, I mean, it it, it depends upon if somebody wants to hire them and and take that, you know, take that responsibility of answering those questions. But you know, what the hell, dude? You know, I'm with you. Like, what the hell? Um, but our jackass of the week, Jared Porter, former, former Major League Baseball general manager for the New York Mets, now jobless. But that is our show again. Uh, Sean, thanks for jumping on with uh, with me. It looks like it was a pretty good show, just the two of us. Um, okay. We took care know, of business, man. That's yeah, we all did. we do. Yeah, we did. That's that's exactly how we do it here on the Armchair Sports, guys. Uh, any parting shots or any final thoughts on any of the games coming up that oh. what you're looking to watch and what you're looking to do? No, I'm just looking for forward to two good football games tomorrow. Um, yeah, I think Tampa, you're going to see Tampa Bay Buffalo Super Bowl, and I like that storyline you brought up earlier. Just gives Tom Brady one more last, you know, parting parting effort to rip the hearts out of bills fans just one last time you know because i mean i don't I, who knows what's going to happen next year year after that if brady plays another year or two years but to see him just devastate the bills one more time even though it's not with the patriots would would make me happy enough so i think yeah go bucks go bills let's uh let's see tom do it again uh, I'm a thousand percent with you on that. Also, again, I know we were talking about the Bruins. I'm looking for uh, a really, yeah, a a really tonight, big, sure. big. And this is a big Bruins game, I think, um, for the Bruins, yeah. more so than the Flyers, because they just finally learned how to score five on five. Can they keep that momentum? <laughs> they just learned uh, a new skill. <laughs> exactly. Let's see how they apply their new skill tonight. <laughs> It's like a video game. New, yeah. A new achievement unlocked. <laughs> hey, yeah, achievement yep. unlocked. <laughs> so let's see how they do tonight. So I think you got a pretty good, um, exciting weekend of football starting with the Bruins tonight, the football games. And if you want to keep, uh, you know, a weathered eye out on the, uh, the Celtics tomorrow afternoon, um, that, you know, wouldn't be a bad thing either. So on behalf of Rich Mays, Mike Lachance, and Matt O'Brien, who couldn't join us, Sean Verhadian, who joined me today. I am G.J. Mitchell with the Armchair Sports Guys. Thank you again for being part of the show. Make sure you're following us on all our socials, at the Armchair Sports Guys on Facebook, at the Armchair Sports Guys on Instagram, and at uh, Armchair, in, uh, armchair <laughs> underscore guys on Twitter. God damn, I'll get this right one of these days. We're also on TikTok at the Armchair Sports Guys. So, Sean, thanks again for joining me. I appreciate you. Have yourself a great weekend, ladies and gentlemen. And we will talk to you on Wednesday with more of this Armchair Sports Guys Wednesday wackiness, as well as another hot take course. So stay tuned for both of those. We'll talk to you later. Peace.